my mates say I had the best childhood in the world because, you know, we had a big house. My dad was multi-millionaire at one point. He went on tour with Ed Sheeran in America. Uh, they've done, you know, the gig with Ariana Grande, Bieber, Jesse J, all these people. But I, I've been very good at, I can tell the difference between somebody who wants to get with me because of who my mum or dad are or somebody who actually genuinely likes me. And uh, I was single, 18 months. I was having the time of my life and it's a beauty pageant, so it's just all women. Originally I wanted a, a girl band, you know, all three women. And then I thought, fuck that. Imagine going on tour with three women. When I rang my mum, and left her a voicemail while I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time. And I can withstand all the shit I get online. I can, you know, I've had people often say, it should have been your mum that died of cancer, not one of your aunties. And you're like, I, I can deal with that. But even, which, even though it's horrendous, I can deal with it. But like, when they call my mum a bully and I'm seeing my mum affected at home, like for about six or seven weeks after, she was just in a room, she was like depressed. So without further ado, I'm Liam Chick. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. So let's dive into this episode of The Online Disruptor. Cool. So Shane, I um I always tend to start these podcasts to talk about what it could have been or what led someone to be successful or achieve some sort of level of success. And it's a bit different for you, especially looking in from the outside, because you've obviously got very um, well-known parents, probably two of Britain's most successful people, Shane Ritchie and obviously Colleen um, Nolan. I think the first question I want to ask you is, do you think your level of success and determination did come from them well it's, it's always a weird one success isn't it because people measure success in different different ways like am i successful i don't know probably in the line of work i do i'd say me and the band and what we do we're pretty successful yeah but i've never really wanted any more than that if it comes it's great but if it didn't i'm all right where i am do you know what i mean i could do with a few more quid don't get me wrong but it's uh it's, it's, it's a weird one. And I think because of my parents being famous, I did have that extra step. I had, when I was starting, I had an extra leg up more than most. I got gigs just on the back of who my mum and dad were. But with that also came an added pressure of you have to be good. You have to be funny. You, you know, you have to kind of talk about your mum and dad because that's why people are coming to see you when I first started. But now, after 10, 11 years of doing it, it's sort of like I've sort of got my own fan base now and I can do my own thing, which is a lot nicer. And it, don't get me wrong, I don't mind talking about my mum and dad. You know what I mean? Nobody says anything nasty, really, or anything horrible. So it's quite nice. Does that, or did that, does that answer it however you want? Did that ever get annoying? Because obviously you're Shane Colan, um, Colleen, right? You want to be known for that but then you've got Shane Ritchie um and Colleen in the background did that ever annoy you that it was mainly them they were focused on do you know what actually it's a good point now I always try I always say this the first five or six years I was doing it it 
Well, no, the first few years was all right because I was new to the game. I was new to it and I was just buzzing to be on stage and people wanted photos with you. But then after about four years, you'd come off stage. I used to gig abroad and you'd come off dripping with sweat. You've just put your heart and soul into an hour show performance and people come up to you and go, oh, I love you, mum. I love you, dad. They go, oh, you were brilliant, by the way. You were brilliant, by the way. You don't need to use their names. And it's like, should have probably opened with that. And then, do you know what I mean? It used to really like annoy me, but then I, then I had a bit of a thing. I turned 30 about three years ago and I, I just thought, oh, do you know what? It could be a lot worse. They could be coming up to me saying, your dad's an arsehole, your mum's a bitch or whatever, you know what I mean? Or I hate your mum and dad. And uh, they don't, they never do. They never do. And it's always been lovely. And I, I've just embraced it. And I, I quite like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- there is that thing. There was a lot of, um, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, probably a few jealous people within our industry, my industry, especially who I had to prove myself to a lot of people that I wasn't just getting gigs because of who my mum and dad were. I had to, I felt like I had to prove myself and I've probably only gained respect of my peers in the past two, three years. So yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a slog, but I feel like it's it's all good. Do you think there might have been like a bit of a privilege thing there? Because I'll be honest, looking in at you, you can obviously someone who hasn't got famous parents. I, like I know some people who are grafting so hard, very talented, but they're grafting so hard. But looking in, someone like you, Shane Ritchie's son, can rock up and try and get a gig. Did that? Do you think you had an advantage, or do you think you had an advantage over, I'd say, other people who are working as hard? Or yes, mate, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I knew that though, but I also knew, right? Well, I'm gonna have to prove myself here. You know, I, I don't just want to be, I have had so many people come up to me going, do you know what? I thought I was going to be shit, but it was really good. Or, you know, l- little things like that. And I think once you've done that and you've proven yourself to, I shouldn't have to prove myself, but I completely understand why I have to. And I completely understand why people are a bit pissed off in my industry because I've got that gig and they haven't. There is 10 times better singers than me. I know that. Some of my best friends are some of the best singers I know and I'm getting better gigs than them. But as an entertainer, I don't think there's many, as a front man, as a band, I don't think there's many as, I sound really cocky and arrogant here, but I, I've, I feel like I've mastered the craft of that and I've, I've worked really hard. And it's, it's not like I didn't have normal jobs, you know, the old normal jobs, nine to fives and all that. I worked at Burton Menswear, worked behind a bar, you know, I've, I've done all that. And then it was um, 19, I became a blue coat, which is the hardest job in the world working on a holiday park, let me tell you. And learnt my craft, and then now I do what I do. So it's not like I just was bang thrown into it. I'm about to work. What What was it like growing up then? Were, were your parents around a lot? Were Were they quite supportive? What What was childhood like for you? Um, childhood was. I mean, friends, you ask. Uh, my mates say I had the best childhood in the world because you know we had a big house. My dad was multi-millionaire at one point. Uh, with, he was doing Greece, he was like Mr. Saturday Night Television, do you know what I mean? And he was raking it in. But I didn't get to see my dad a lot because I used to see him like maybe twice a month sometimes because he'd be on tour doing what I do now. And I never really understood it until I started doing it. You have to go away and make money. So maybe I resented him a bit for that. But my mum was always there. And, my, you know, my dad, when I saw him and I speak to him, he's, he's, they're both brilliant and I've had a great childhood. And I did have a silver spoon in my mouth completely fully but they worked after that you know when 
I didn't, we didn't always have that when I was first up until about six, seven. And then it all, then we moved to a bigger house and it was a bigger house. You know, they were, they were probably quite working class. And then we moved up to the old middle class. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like it happened overnight, but I was really grounded. My mum and dad were brilliant, especially my mum. My mum kept me grounded. I never saw, I think growing up without the age of, you know, technology and Facebook and Instagram and social media, that really helped because I think my sister struggled a lot. My mum's daughter, Kira, because she's 21 and she grew up with all the social media. So she got to see all the shit people were writing about her mum when she was in Big Brother. And I mean, her dad's not my dad, but you know, my dad's just an I'm a celeb. And I, I was doing Instagram lives when he was doing it every night. And the following day, and they were picking up traction every day, every night there'd be more, a couple more thousand. I'd have celebrity guests on, I'd like Jake Quicken doing, Matt Lapinska had my mum on, Amy Hart from Love Island. And every day, papers, there'd be a headline in the paper, Shane Ritchie's son calls AJ a little bitch or something like that. Uh, Colleen Nolan wants Shane Ritchie back. And it's like, no, that's not what was said. That's not, you've taken a tiny bit and made a headline and made me look like a prick, basically. And it used to, I had to stop it in the end because it really wound me up. So I'm so glad I didn't grow up with social media because I think my life would be a lot different now. I think, you know, I didn't even know what anxiety or depression was. And now every 18, 19 year old's got it. And you're like, I'm not surprised growing up with Facebook at school and Snapchat. You know what I mean? You're just being judged. So I'm lucky I didn't have that. What, did your parents, when you were younger, realise that, right, one day Shane is probably going to be famous or well-known or well-talked about in some form or another? And do you think that worried them a little bit? Because obviously when you were growing up, social media was becoming this big thing right yeah yeah um no not with me not with me maybe my brother because he's done this since we were since he could walk whereas I didn't sing or do anything until I was 19 20 because I played for foot I played football when I lived down south was sort of like trials for Arsenal Chelsea all that and then I moved up north to Blackpool and I played for Blackpool for two years and then I realized right, I'm not good enough footballer, what else am I going to do? So I uh, obviously got a few normal jobs and whatnot, and then I uh, became a blue coat. But no, I don't think they did. And I think because we've always grown up with famous parents, we always sort of knew how to handle it. Well, I have anyway. I've always sort of known how to handle it. You know, it's like these tweets that are coming out now, people that have written stuff from 15 years ago you know, like a racist tweet or a homophobic tweet or, you know, when they were kids. You see footballers getting done with it all the time. I've never done anything like that. One, because I'm not a racist or a homophobe, but also I always had famous parents. So I knew if I wrote anything online, they would be the ones that would get affected. Do you know what I mean? So I always, I'd, I'd always known what to do, always had a grasp of it. Uh, yeah. And to be fair, that's something that worries me. Um, I know I've written stuff before. Um, yeah, just make, just go through and just delete. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, oh mate, I've already done it. And I, I said... <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you, you were, you, you know, how old are you? Um, 23, no, 24 now. So, you know, you were around for the social media phase and you were probably writing stupid shit when you were 16, 17. Do you know what I mean? But it doesn't mean you, you share them values now. You've grown up. You know what I mean? It's, it's People are quick to judge, man. It winds me up. 
Yeah, no, I've had a lot of people, just people who don't like me, find old tweets, and it led me to go back and delete them all. But too, too late. And I mean, yeah, but you know what, Liam? If, if nobody, if, if nobody likes you, it means you're doing something right. If you don't have people that dis, if if people, if people, if people are always writing nice stuff, then I'm thinking, oh shit, I'm not doing it right here. You want, you want people to be a little bit jealous, and that's all it is online. It's jealousy, and it's. They're doing it for bites. And it, I've realised that I need to stop biting to the nasty people because for every nasty tweet, there's 20 lovely ones. But you always focus on that one nasty, you know, nasty comment. I've always said that criticism um, is the closest people can get to, to be relevant. Um, and I've, I've also also said, if you're not prepared to be called a cunt, you're not doing something right, you'll never, you'll never grow. So... Exactly. And I have been called that my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I've been called a lot worse than that, mate. I mean, that's my favourite word. But I uh, I find if someone calls you that, it's quite endearing. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, let's talk about your brother then, Jake. Obviously, he's um, he's doing very well as well. He's part of the Push Baby group. Um, I think he said, used to be Rixton group, did me and my broken heart. Growing up with him then, he was obviously doing it younger, you mentioned. Competitive? What what were you two like? No, no, not at all. I, I'm his biggest fan and he's mine. Funnily enough, before Jake had his group uh, and before I went solo and got my own band, we toured with the Nolans. We were the support act, Shane and Jake. And we were promised our own ITV show, like the new Ant and Deck. We, were, we did Panto together with our dad. We had all this stuff lined up, but, and then we got signed by, funny enough, McFly's management and Busted's management, but they wanted me to learn, and I'm, I'm four or five years older than Jake and the rest of the lads in the band, and I couldn't do it because I thought, I won't have a brother. We, are, we would have been Liam and Noel. We would have fallen out. We do clash. I, I, he's the best at what he does. He's a genius, but he could sit in a studio for a week and not even sleep or eat, and me and my band have rehearsed twice in two years. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm a bit of a blagger. He's like a perfectionist. And uh, we used to clash. So the best thing I ever did was walking away before Rixton were formed um, to, to still have my brother, really. You know, mine and his relationship now is spot on. We get on really great. But e- even still, you know, after three or four days, we're still brothers. We'll still, you know, we'll still have a, we'll still have a go. And he's a bit bigger now, so he'd probably twat me. But it's... Um, it's 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 one of the best decisions I made. And people always say, you're jealous. You know, they went on tour with Ed Sheeran in America. Uh, they've done, you know, the gig with Ariana Grande, Bieber, Jesse J, all these people. People go, you're jealous. And I'm like, no, it's my brother. It's like, I'm, I'm his, I am their biggest fan, mate. Like, I am their biggest fanboy. Biggest fanboy. And because I got to see all the backstage stuff that they had to do, is interviews and shit, they never got to enjoy themselves. So no, I was never, never jealous. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm jealous that he's played Wembley and things like that. But I'm not a jealousy thing. I'm I'm over the moon for him. To be fair, if um the Sun ever get hold of this podcast, they'd go, they'd write something guaranteed, and it'd be something like Jake would twat Shane or something like that, and then boom, there's your clickbait. But that's what I mean. They take, yeah, they take they take little bits like that. What's your thoughts on the tabloids? I know your parents will obviously have thoughts as well. 
it's a tough one, man. Uh, that's a tough one because if they always wrote the truth, it'd be a bit fucking boring, wouldn't it? Um, you know, it would. I just think they it's clickbait. How many times have you clicked on something thinking, oh, that's a juicy headline, and the storyline's bullshit, it's like nothing, and that's that's what they do. And it, it's so many people that just believe everything they read. That's what worries me. How many people, though, just read the headline and don't even bother clicking on it? it, it like that, right? Jake would batter Shane. And then there's some would probably write the truth, write what you said, but they just say, "Oh my god, Jake would batter Shane!" Right? They don't even read it. Yeah, going back, going back to what I was saying before, I was doing that Instagram thing, and I called AJ Pritchard, who was in the who was in the castle, or the jungle with my dad. I called him a little bitch because he was arguing with my dad. I also called my dad a little bitch. I went, "They just need to man up and sort it out together." Anyway, they take a headline saying Shane Ritchie's son calls AJ a little bitch. Then I had his missus having a go at me on Twitter, his fans having a go at me on Twitter. And I was like, has anybody actually read or, or gone back and seen my Instagram and seen what I've said? Because I was like, that's not what, that's not the context. That's not what it was about. And like my mum, my mum came on and I went, how do you think dad's getting on mum? And she went, oh, he's doing brilliantly. I'm so proud of him. And I went, well, he's not going to get back with you. Chill out. Next day, Colin Nolan wants Shane Ritchie back. And I'm like, what, what, what? It's just what they can take and get away with is just shock. And, and then, you know, the people on the Facebook of Daily Mirror or The Sun, they're the people I don't trust. They need the hard drives checked. Who comments on Facebook Daily Mirror? Do you know what I mean? And The Sun's Facebook. And it's just like, oh, dear. Check their hard drive. It's like Plymouth Live and like Devon Live and all this sort of crap. It's just a load of BS. Yeah. But but they can but but they can be used for great. They can be great. They can be great when you need to promote something or whatever. They can be great. But there's always stuff I've gone to promote with. They've always tried to get a juicy line out of me, and it's like no, I'm just trying to promote a show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, in the jungle, then when your dad was in the jungle, I think I read it was around this time. Apologies if it if it was a bit before, but you were. Shane Jr., right? Um, and then you decided for some reason, Shane Ritchie Jr., yeah. And then for some reason, you thought, I'm going to change my name. Why? Well, it weren't when my dad was in the jungle, mate. It was a bit before that. It was when my mum was in Big Brother. And uh, people think, oh, I did it. And people thought I did, you know, you don't like your dad then. You don't like your dad. It was, it was my dad's idea. And I'll tell you why. It was because I was auditioning for a lot of stuff. And it was going and going back, I was getting gigs just because I was Shane Richie Jr. Whereas Shane Nolan is, is different. You know, you, you, it's not my dad's full name. Um, it was better for auditioning. It was better for shows. It was better for... And I thought of my own person a bit then, a bit more. Although, money-wise, I wish I could go back to Shane Richie Jr. I was earning far more money. But here we go. Were you? Well, no, it wasn't that. But I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It was, and it worked. But it didn't get annoyed. But I just remember people online going, "Feel really sorry for your dad. He must be so upset." Because our real name's not Richie. Our my real name's not Roach. No, sorry, my real name is Roach. My dad's real name is Roach. 
like Jake Roach and, and uh, people are going, I can't believe you've, you know, changed your name on your passport. And I'm like, my passport never changed. You absolute idiot. My passport, people don't understand a stage name and thingy, do you know what I mean? Although I've just told everyone my real name, so everyone's going to find me on Facebook now, so that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some people who will. Um, <laughs> um, can, can you change your name back or how does that actually work? You can't, can you? I, I, mate, I could. I could change it every week if I wanted to. But, and funnily enough, I got booked for a gig. I got booked for the other gig, a gig, not long ago. I said, tonight's entertainment, Shane Ritchie Jr. Shane Ritchie Jr. band featuring Shane Nolan. And I went, what? What? That, I mean, that's confused me, let alone the audience. But I think I, I used to get a lot more audiences back in the day of Shane Ritchie Jr. because people wanted to come see what Shane Ritchie's son was about. Do you know what I mean? And also, I remember one woman at Butlins complaining that I wasn't a Shane Ritchie tribute. I thought, what the, f- what the fuck would a Shane Ritchie tribute do? Like, you just come on and just go, you know what I mean? Just come on and go, cat! <laughs> I don't know. I am curious then, because obviously Jake kept the surname. Any reason why? I just because he was in an original band. He was, where I am in my circuit, you know, the holiday parks, you know, the abroad stuff, the punters. Sometimes you need that extra step. Jake could have easily, you know, he's still known as Colleen and Shane's son. You know, he's, he's gone out and won a little mix. He was engaged to won a little mix, for Christ's sake. So, he, you know, still had a bit of that. But I think when you do an original music, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need that. And he's, and I've always respected that, you know. I've always respected that. I don't... You know, when I was first starting, Shane Roach wasn't a really a cool name on the poster. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Shane Ritchie Jr. looked better or Shane Nolan looks better. And that's all that that's all the stage name is. It's like my dad. My dad was called Shane Skywalker for years when he first started as a com- comedian. I mean, Christ. <laughs> I am. I'm actually curious then, because you've. It's so clear you've got such a hardworking work ethic. But let's be real. Let's be honest. You probably didn't need to work those shitty jobs. You had a millionaire dad, famous parents. You probably didn't need to. Why? Why did you decide to? get off your ass and go out and work in like men, uh, Bucks, Burton's men and, and all this sort of stuff? Um, I was told to, for a start. Um, and actually, by the, when I was 18, 19, they weren't that big. And they, they're they not millionaires now, mate. You know, everyone thinks, oh, you see them on TV, they're multi-millionaires. They're not. They're not. I'm sure if they sold properties and whatnot, they probably, they probably on paper, maybe. But, you know, they still got tax money. I'm not. You know, my mum's been struggling, my dad's they've both struggled, especially over COVID. We've all been out of work for like two years. But around when I was 18, 19, they weren't that, uh, they weren't rich. It was only when I was young, really, like eight to 12, where my dad had a shitload of money. But now, you know, and what's funny is that my brother and me, my brother and sister, and my, I've got other, my dad's got another three kids as well. I, like my brother's never had a real job. I'm straight out of drama school. And he's been doing it for his whole life. So I've always been going, well, I've always, you know, I've always been a bit pissed off about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, you told me to go get a job. You never told him to go get a job. He's just been sat on his ass. You know what I mean? Like, and the, uh, but I think that it helped me have a, a better work ethic for what I do now. I think you value, although I must say I'm shit with money. I, I'm so shit with money. And that probably stems from my parents being rich when I was growing up. 
oh, if I was a tennis short, I knew I could ask my mum or dad. Do you know what I mean? So I'm shit with money because of that. So I've got, now I've got my missus, got my wife. She's she's uh, kicking me into touch a bit, but I'm there. In, in what way are you shit with money? Just just like if I get paid, get paid at the end of the month, my agent, within two weeks it's gone. I'm, I'm, I, and especially like on a night out, I'm that guy. Do you want a Jaeger bomb? Do you want a Jaeger bomb? I don't even know you, but do you want a Jaeger bomb? Or, or if I see it, I buy it. And sometimes I don't think that I've got bills to pay now. I've got a wedding to pay for, and I'm just a bit of a tip. So I'm, st- and I'm still shy like that, and I'm still trying to get better. Uh, and but because of COVID, I had to lend a load of money. So then by the time I got money back, I had to pay people back. So I'm still, still really COVID still. Uh, you know, I'm still working off COVID money, really. And uh, I think it's only next year where I'll start to thrive a bit more. Something you said there, it's just sort of triggered something I've done. Like, I've been to bars and I've bought everyone a drink. But thinking about that, I almost think it's like a validation thing. Like, I've got money. I want people to sort of like me a bit, maybe a bit of loneliness. Have you ever, like, experienced that, wanting to be validated? Yeah, back in the day, before I turned 30, for sure, mate. Yeah, now, like, I had to be life and soul at the party. Like, if I walk in, it's all about me. Now, I can happily sit back at a party, and because I am life and soul and always the one cracking the jokes, sometimes when I'm a bit quieter, my mum's like, you're depressed. You know, you're, 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 not, you're not well. And I'm like, whoa, I'm just having a, just having a chill day. Or if I'm not that life and soul of the party, if I'm not the one on the dance floor, it's like, what's up with you? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just letting everyone else have their moment before I take over. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it is. And it's, I don't think it was a validation thing. I used, to, I, hang around, I used to hang around with a lot of older people who had money. You know, a lot of my mates have got businesses and they have money. So, you know, you'll, you'll remember, you used to go out and have 30 quid for the whole night and you'd come home with change. Because it was like two pound drinks or something like that. Now... It's £200 a night out, £250 a night out, because you don't pre-drink anymore. You're out at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and you, by midnight, you've already spent 150 quid. So it's like, I think just getting older and, 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 knocking, and going to bars that are expensive, whereas I like you two for a fiver. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, can't take the lad out of Blackpool. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll talk about your band in a minute. Um, but one thing, one thing I'm curious about, when you... On a famous scale, what's the dating scene like? Is it is it easier? Is it do you attract like the wrong people? How how does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah mate. Well, it's a no go now. Obviously, I'm getting married, but I met her gigging. Um, I met her gigging over in uh, Disneyland Paris, funny enough. But yeah, mate. Growing up, Christ, yeah, uh, yes, I know. But I, I've been very good at, I can tell the difference between somebody who wants to get with me because of who my mum or dad are or somebody who actually genuinely likes me. I know exactly. And, you, mate, if you want to have, if you want to get with me because my dad's Alfie Moon, I'm all right with that. Do you know what I mean? I, growing up when you were, you know, it was Alfie Moon when I was 12, 13 years old. Any, any young lad have been like, yes, I don't care. Fine, let's have it. But because I was a footballer and never did the singing and acting and all that, I was quite shy. I didn't, you know what I mean? I was, I was really shy. And then, football, yeah, you used to get girls through football. And then I realised, actually, I'd probably get more girls singing and being in shows. 
And that's genuinely why I started, because I read a chapter in my dad's book. This is genuinely God's honest truth now. I read a chapter in my dad's book saying I slept with a thousand women when I was a blue coat. And I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Right. And that's genuinely the only reason I do what I do for a living now, because of that. I now love my job and I embrace my job. And you know what I mean? But originally, the reason I started was to pull, pull women. Yeah, 100%. I don't deny that. Let's have it. Successful? <laughs> yeah, I've done all right, mate. Yeah, I met, I met my fiance. I met her. She was in a beauty. She was in a beauty pageant in Paris, and uh, me and the band were there. And uh, I was single, eighteen months. I was having the time of my life, and it's a beauty pageant, so it's just all women, and then us four lads, pretty much, that were there. And we'd done it the year before, and we had a blast, and we thought, right, we'll have that again next year. Went, and then I met her, and I was like, oh no, I'm buggered here. And then we've been together ever since, six years later, and we're getting married in about three hours. No, in about three weeks. So, How, how did you um, go from that then um, to realising that, shit, I, I, I want to settle down here? Was there a moment that just clicked? Or I think, I think, I think, um, you know what I mean? I know it sounds bad, but sometimes knowing that you could is enough. And, and, it's a fickle world, man. Like me and the band could be stood at the bar before a gig and you get the odd look because you're four lads or whatever. But then as you come off stage, everyone wants to know you or everyone wants to try and, you know what I mean? And we took advantage of that. Of course we did as four young lads. Um, but now my whole band, everyone's sort of got a missus, you know. My guitarist is actually going out with my sister. So that's a good handbrake for both of us. And, uh, you know, my drummer's married. He's got a kid. So we're like, we're like a dad band now. And, uh, but it's nice still getting, att- of course, everyone still loves getting attention. I think that's probably why I still do it. You, you know, you need that ego boost. You need that everyone to go, oh, great, you were, or whatever. But it's, it's a different vibe now. We used to gig two pull women. Now we gig because we're skin. But uh, <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a circle. But I, it, I, I probably enjoy it more as much now as I ever did. It is weird you say that because I have started stuff in my past. Like even when I started my business, I thought if I do well here, I'll get a lot of money and I'll imp- I'll impress women. And and then I qu- quickly fell in love with it so much. But I mean, obviously it came. But like, yeah, it was weird. My mindset changed once I realised when I was doing it for like the wrong reasons. I also think women have changed. Also, do you remember like when you were at school and the fittest bird always wanted to go out with a guy who had a car because he just left school and he was 17? I always wanted to be that guy. I was like, I can't wait to be at college. And... But then I look back at it and think going, wait, he was 17 picking up a 15-year-old. Nonce. But uh, <laughs> looking back, but now, do you know what I mean? Like, like if you look back at that, a lot of shit I play there that was probably wrong. But uh, I always thought that. I thought, oh, I need to impress people. I need to impress girls, and I thought car or money or, but it's not. I I I think, I think women have changed. I think men have changed, and I think personality goes a long way now. I I was never. I was an ugly duckling. I I still know oil painting now. My mates were really good looking, so I had to be the funny one. Always had to be the funny one, and I always I've always fancied personality more than. Don't get me wrong. Looks are great, and I've had my fair share. But uh, if you can laugh and joke around with someone, then that's great. Yeah, I've noticed recently that there's something very valuable about mental attraction and someone who's like switched on 
got that head in the right place. And yeah, it's weird how my mindset has changed. Let's talk about your bands then. Um, I think the first big question on on this was how how did this even come about? Was it just four mates down the pub having a chat or were you scouted? How did that work? No. So I was solo for about three years and I was up and down the country abroad and I was seeing bands and I always wanted a band. Originally I wanted a, a girl band, you know, all three women. And then I thought, fuck, it, fuck that. Imagine going on tour with three women. I'll never get a girlfriend and it'll just be bitchy. And I thought, nah. So I got three lads. And uh, our first gig was at the drummer I went to school with and I seen him on a night out. I went, you still drumming? I was like, I need a band. Sort me out two lads. And he did. And me and him were 21, 22. And we got two lads who were 17. So they were babies. And uh, we were a band for eight years. And my drummer's still drumming now. The two lads, funnily enough, my guitarist of that band is now Push Baby's manager. So he owes me everything. And uh, bass player, he's just had a baby and he's still he still plays for me a few times and uh, he's, he's, he's composing now for um, TV shows and, and films. So he's smashing it as well. And I've got, obviously I've got a new guitarist in and I've got depths for, every, you know, I've got like two for every position now. So one can't do it, but yeah, it literally came about because I was bored traveling on my own. Uh, we've had some laughs, mate. And uh, if I ever write a book, there's some stories to go in that. Let me bloody tell you. It's so funny, mate, just hearing you going, I wanted three girls in my band, but I had, nah, I wouldn't pull anyone with three girls. I had to get some lads in. <laughs> well, it weren't that. Just imagine going on a five-hour trip with three girls in the back. Fuck that. <laughs> What's the craziest story you've ever had? If you could pick one, you said you'd write a book, you'd put your craziest stories in it. What's the What's the funniest The or the... The one that's going to get the most clickbait. <laughs> Mate, I honestly, I know you said, I know I said I'm an open book and I can say anything, but I'm not sure I would be able to repeat some of the shit that me and the lads got up to. Only because they're all happily engaged, married, <laughs> and so am I, and they could all be off if I mentioned it. I mean, it was all before our girlfriends and our fiancés, but... I would have to go clear it with them before I said it live on a national bloody uh, podcast, mate. But one day I'll give you the exclusive. Don't worry about that. What's the worst you've done then without them? If you if you could say one that they're not involved in, <laughs> or was it just you four together? Oh, mate, mate. I honestly, I um, I'm just not sure I can divulge that information, pal. Uh, because, because, and it's because they mostly do involve women. Do you know what I mean? They do. When you're a band, they do. We've done some crazy shit, don't get me wrong, but they do mostly involve women. I, I mean, the story, when I before I was even in a band, it's been on national press, is when I rang my mum and left her a voicemail while I was having sex with my girlfriend at the time. That, that was a true story. And uh, before the old iPhone came out, it was on the old Nokia, and I left my mum like a fucking voicemail, and then she went and told it on Loose Women the next day, and then it just blew up. I was getting calls from like New York press and all sorts of shit. It was mad. What? What? She threw you under the bus, or is she? What? Why would she put it on Loose Woman? To be fair, it was a cracking voicemail. Crack. I was on form. I was on form. But uh, uh, yeah, completely just fucking done me over. But 
She, to be fair to my mum, she did ask, do you mind if I say it? And I spoke to the, my girlfriend at the time. She was cool. But the problem was, that was before social media became a big thing. And then she told it about six, seven years later. And I mean, it blew up. Blew up a get like... it. Well, I was getting people from New York, you know, the Huffington Post or whatever it is. I was getting people trying to talk to me. I was like, this was like 12 years ago. Everyone needs to calm down. One thing I did read about your mum is that I think this was four years ago. Is that, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because you defended her. Um, is that she got into an argument with Kim Woodburn on loose women? Um, and to be fair, I didn't read too much into it because I don't really read gossip. But what, what was that about again? So they were in Big Brother, weren't they? And Kim was a nightmare. You know, I've never met anyone in the business who's who's had a good word to say about it. and that's not I, I don't want it to come out like oh Shane Ace Kim I, I don't really I've never met the woman I only judge people on because on, I used to judge people badly before I met them because people used to do that to me I stopped doing it um, but I've never heard a good word about Kim and basically what happened was my mum came out of uh, she won Big Brother she won Big Brother and uh, anyway a few weeks later Kim Woodburn tried to bury the hatchet, you know, come on loose women and say, I want to start over with Colleen and start again. It's a shame how it ended and all that. Anyway, my mum was like, that's not happening. She's going to come on, kick off like she always, I mean, my mum knew Kim one better than anyone. She just spent six weeks with her in a house. And that's exactly what happened. She's come on, booted off. But what went wrong was on the panel of loose women that day, they had that Janet Street Porter in like a judge's outfit. My auntie Linda, my mum's sister was there. So it looked like even though my mum didn't say anything, pretty much the whole interview, it was just Kim. It looked like a group of women ganging up on a woman. And then people online were calling my mum a bully. And if you know, I mean, you don't know my mum, but if you know my mum, that is the last thing she is. And I can withstand all the shit I get online. I can, you know, I've had people often say, it should have been your mum that died of cancer, not one of your aunties. And you're like, I, I can deal with that. Even, which, even though it's horrendous, I can deal with it. But like when they call my mum a bully and I'm seeing my mum affected at home, like for about six or seven weeks after she was just in a room, she was like depressed. And I thought, I'm not having this. And it was shocking. And I think the way she was treated by ITV as well, I don't think they stuck up for her and I don't think they helped her. But, you know, it's all, it's all in the past now and all was good. But uh, yeah, it was a shit time for my mum. Shit time for all of us, really. Let's talk about the latter part you said quickly because this is a bit that a lot of people won't see right it is so easy to write a tweet you could do something i have a quick opinion i'll go shaney's a dick and move on and i'll never remember you ever again or like i'll never remember what was said but you'll see that potentially or your mum will see that how does that actually affect you like just seeing something said like in the moment five seconds gone well my mum's done big brother years before she's done it twice now and i think because they've been in the public eye since i've since i was born mate that i i've always seen it i've always known it but now people have got a platform to write what they want you know they can write what they want they can set up a profile you know with no followers it's called user three four five six seven it's like an egg as a profile picture do you know what i mean and they can just delete it Get the get their account blocked and start again, and I and now I actually just feel a bit sorry for them. 
and I, I used to, I used to engage with them. I used to, it, it never used to, the first time she was in Big Brother, it bothered me and I just used to be going at them, how dare you? And then the second time I was like, oh, do you know what? Because she'd be trending because people, and it, it's a shame because for every, like I said earlier, for every bad shitty tweet that you respond to, there's 40, 50 lovely ones. And the people that are writing these, fucking not right in the head, basically. And, and you know, and it, I feel a bit, it's not that I feel sorry for him. I just think, fuck, is your life that bad that you have to go on and write something shit about someone? Mate, I've gone to write some shit, you know, even Love Island that's on at the minute or about a footballer. And I'm a firm believer, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it all. Especially online, on, on your Twitter and Instagram, that's, that's public because it's blue tick and all that. On my Facebook, I can, I can write because it's just friends and family. But on, if you've got nothing nice, don't say it all because, because I have seen that about my mum and dad. And they, these people have got families. They've got kids. They will see it. And it's fucking, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's shocking. And it needs to be more, there needs to be more security and, needs, and more needs to be done. I've 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 obviously never experienced that on a level of your parents, of course. But the other day, I put a tweet out um, about Ed Matthews. You might have seen him on TikTok and HS Tiki Toki, and I said these people are dangerous to women because they're implementing that it's right to be forceful and and rape rape them and all this sort of stuff. And the amount of like, and you could tell it was thirteen, fourteen year old boys coming in and going. And having a go at me, going, oh, you need to get on a fat loss program. You get no um, puna, I think they call it. And it's just mental. And I, I laughed at it. And like I was so tempted to engage, but I thought they've got nothing better to do. And I stick by what I say, to be fair. But Yeah, and, and, and all they want, all they want, because, you know, you've got, you've got a bit of a following. All they want is for you to go for them. And, you know, if I've been drunk and I've seen it, I have done. I have done, but I always try and kill them with kindness if I can, or make them look really stupid. I don't ever get angry with them because what's the point? You know what I mean? Um, but now I, it's just so easy now. It's just to block, delete, block, delete. If you can get that in your head, then you should see my block list for my social media. It's actually, I've got more block than I have followers. <laughs> so it's um, it just it. It's just shit. It's just shit. Social, social media is great. Podcasts, all this stuff, stuff like this is great where you can promote and do stuff like that. And you can, great TikTok for music. You know, some art, number, the songs in the charts now at the minute are songs from TikTok. I'm not sure if I love that or if I hate it. I'm not really sure, but it is what it is. Um, so there is goodness. There is greatness coming out of social media. But with that, you have to take the shit as well. And unfortunately, that overrules, that overpowers the goodness, I think. And, you know, with the whole racism thing, when England got knocked out of the World Cup, uh, Euros and all that, it's just like, fuck, you know. What is wrong with people? It's so weird, right? Because I was sat with, like, some of my best friends at the time. And, like, I mentioned it. And I, I don't care about criticism. I don't care about these comments. I think <laughs> got nothing better to do. And it, it affected them more. They were like, oh, are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? And, and like... It was so weird, but um, there was one comment um, that my friend did say reply to, and it was it was a guy who said, "You get no puna," and I just, which means um, pussy. By the way, I don't know if you <laughs> know that. Um, Mate, I'm 33. I'm 33. I'm not a fucking idiot. All right, yeah, I know what that means. <laughs> so he said that, and my mate just went put 
yeah, I know I don't, mate. And I did, and, and he blocked me after that. He didn't say anything. It was it was brilliant. Or I'd have gone, I'd have gone, well, it's not what your mum said. <laughs> I would have done five years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Honestly, I still use mum jokes. I still use a mum joke. But the problem is they turn around and go, your mum's dead. My mum's dead. And you go, oh, shit, I really balls that one up. Um, do you know what I mean? So you've got to be careful with stuff like that now. But a mum joke is always the way to go for me. But honestly, yeah, it's, it, going back to that, mate, it's your friends and the people that see it online and they get so angry. I've had so many friends blocked off Facebook and Twitter and, and I'm like, boys, chill out, chill. It's lovely that your friends want to do that, but they don't get it and they don't understand. So I understand why they do it. I'm curious then, what does the future look like for your band? Got anything in the pipeline, anything that you can you, you can say? You mentioned before you've got stuff you can't say, but anything that you can band wise oh mate we're just gigging you know we're constantly gigging and we're working and that's that's as long as we can keep doing that for as long as we can and that'll do for me do you know what i mean as a solo uh i'm doing a musical this summer called boogie nights which my dad actually co-wrote back in the day and starred in so you know we're talking about getting a leg up that probably helps um and then uh and then just loads of, there's a few things in the pipeline yeah um might be a podcast arrival yours. I don't know. I'm going to see. And um, we'll see, mate. And uh, as soon as I have anything to say, I'll be back on and let you know. I'll, get, I'll give you the scoop. Appreciate that. Um, I'm, before we move on to the final like, Q&A, I am curious because I've, I've spoken to a lot of like people who are successful within their fields, like af- athletics and sports and all this sort of stuff. And it's weird because they tell me that they don't actually make good money through their main thing they do, they make it through like other stuff like sponsorships and, and stuff. Is gigging your main like income or do you have to do other stuff um, to, to generate money or how does that work? Gigging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my job. It is my job. And that's why I was skint for two years, mate. And then, you know, cause of COVID like everyone else, like everyone else, but especially the um, entertainment industry got absolutely bashed. Um, and I tried to become a bloody driver for Hermes. Is it Hermes or whatever they're called? And they wouldn't even give me, I couldn't even get a call back for that. Uh, so I, uh, so basically I, I started doing some stuff online. I do, I, I still do for CBD, uh, a company called Supreme CBD. And uh, I was making a few quid from that, but I, I only, I get offered a lot of stuff online and I don't want to be that guy who's just doing it to make, you know what I mean? Like makeup or, you know, all sorts of shit I get offered. But the I've had real bad problems with my knees through football back in the day. And I was at one point I couldn't walk. So I got the CBD and it worked. So I thought, yeah, I will promote that because it actually does work. So if it's something, if something comes along and, and, and I'm interested in it and I can use it or whatever, then I'm all for it. But I'm not just going to sell out. I mean, I'm saying that now. This wedding's cost me a fucking fortune. So I might, sell, I might go on OnlyFans, to be honest, at the minute and sell my socks. So, um, uh, you know what I mean? So respect anyone who does it and, and does all that my mum's funny enough my mum's just started to do a lot more stuff online and to be honest mate that's where the money is you know your youtube and, and and stuff like that and adverts you know on your podcast that's where the money is but gigging for me is good it's good income yeah i can't complain it could be better but uh, i can't complain so i'm gonna send this to the sun with the title shane is going to do an only fans <laughs> Let me warn my missus first, Christ. 
<laughs> you might get a few um, a few subscribers. I swear to God, if my mum and dad weren't if my mum and dad weren't who they were, on that, mate, I'd tell you now I'd be on that. You earn an absolute mint. Although no one wants to see this dad bod, but uh, you don't a mint. Kerry Katona's a bloody millionaire from OnlyFans. Yeah, well, I probably won't be starting one anytime soon. I, I probably, I, pro I should probably unsubscribe from that now. I'm getting married. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Kerry Kerry Katona, the only one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Me yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. So, a few days ago, then I put out. Um, it wasn't a few days ago, was it? It was yesterday. Was it yesterday? I put a Q and A out, didn't I? Um, yeah, we got a few back. We got quite a few from I Ireland. Um, yeah, I think you know them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one then is: What is your Irish fan base like? There's only two of them. Um. There's these two girls called Leanne and Becky, bless them, and they and yeah, and they came and they saw they saw me in a show over there in Ireland a few years ago before lockdown, and they've been fans ever since, and they're lovely. They spend thousands coming over. They come over like me and my guitarist just played a pub the other week, and they came over and watched. And you're like, "Canal girls, I'll let you know when there's a decent gig and you can come over." But I love them for it, and every time keep doing it, keep doing it. But it's um, they're lovely. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Proper fans. Nice. And then the next one, I guess, also sort of leads on to that, on from that, is have you any plans for an Irish tour? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely from these two. Uh, listen, well, I've, I've, I've done a couple of tours over there, and they're brilliant. They're brilliant. So, you know, the restrictions have been shit, and they've only just started up again, I think, in Ireland. So hopefully next year. Or back end of it, yeah. It'd be, it'd be next year now, so uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Anyway, nice. Next one then is what? What was your dream job as a child? And let's let's take it back before before you got into singing. What would you have chosen if you didn't go into to singing? Easy answers. Footballer, footballer, footballer. It's still my it's still my number one love. It's my passion. I love it. I'm just old and shit now, but um. I uh, yeah, I was pretty handy in the day, but not anymore. And uh, I still love it. I uh, you know I still buzz off it. I still play on a Sunday every now and then, and uh, I I love it. But you know I just watched Top Gun Maverick last night. I really should have been a fighter pilot. It's the best film I've ever seen. Loved it, mate. That was such a good film. That was mental, mate. I came out. I, I honestly looked online last night. Am I too old to be a fighter pilot? <laughs> <laughs> mate, that was like. I don't go to cinema a lot, and to be fair, I didn't see the first one, which I, I was I was worried maybe I've got to see the first one. But mate, that was one of the best films I think I've ever seen. Like, yeah, and that's what was great about it. You didn't need to see the first one, but if you have seen the first one, there's so many nods to the original and stuff. But it was such a great film. Are you? This isn't in the Q and A, but are you the type of guy when you were chatting up a woman when you were younger? And you didn't make it as a footballer, you'd go, Oh, I've I've torn my ACL. I would have gone pro. Is that you? <laughs> no, no. But the reason I didn't the reason I didn't probably push on is probably because I did have I had 
I had a middle class background. I had my mum and dad. I, you know, what I mean, it was never a struggle for money. I never had to, you know, what I mean, I knew they were, you know, a lot of footballers do it because they want to look after their mum and dad. You know, what I mean, they come from working class backgrounds. But I also, I, I probably didn't make it because I found women and alcohol at 15, 16, and I chose that path. I'm not going to be one of them guys. Oh, I could have been good enough. Uh, but, you know, I was a good player at the time. Who knows? There's no point looking back and thinking what could have been. But, yeah, I balls it. <laughs> this one um, is plain, so I'll sort of add on to it. It's like, what would your favourite gig be? And I'll add on, so you could choose something like playing at Wembley or you could be like, go on, I'm a celebrity or go and Big Brother. What would be what would be the thing that Shane wants to do the most? Soccer Aid. I want to be the only reason I want to be a celebrity is to play Soccer Aid. Because I watch some of them celebs and they're shit. I know it's not about that. They make money. But uh, yeah, that is that is like the thing to be. Because then you're mixing both together, aren't you there? My first love football and and obviously you've obviously done well in, in life to be asked to play it. And I play in a lot of celebrity charity matches and they are great. But I mean, they're not quite Soccer Aid. You know, I played I played at some great grounds. I played at Everton's ground the other week. I played at Derby, Nottingham. So I played at some good stuff. Gig-wise, yeah, of course. But I played some mega festivals, man. I played in front of... And when I toured with my mum, you know, uh, me, me and my brother, we did Echo Arena in Liverpool. We did, did some great venues, some big arenas, you know. So I can't, I can't complain, man. I, I, and do you know what? Some of my favourite gigs are when there's only 30, 40 people there. The intimate stuff. I really love that. I get more of a buzz from it, actually, probably, because you're up close and personal and you can have a chat and all that. So it's great. Mate, I kid you not, Soccer Aid, it's weird you said that, Soccer Aid is a dream of mine, whether one day to play there or to ref there. I genuinely, you know Mark Clattenburg, he referees it every year. I genuinely messaged him earlier going, can I get involved next year? And I'm calling him next week. So I'm hoping, I'm... <laughs> I saw it, mate, and I was like, that is my dream. Mate, if you don't ask, you don't get. I'm a firm believer in that. You... Yeah, definitely. Um, final question then. Do you like chicken nuggets? Random question, but yeah, of course I do. Who do I mean, I, I honestly don't know what kind of person you are if you don't. That's what, I mean, if you don't like chicken nuggets, then there's something fucking seriously wrong with you. Unless you're a vegan, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah... I won't say too much on that. But the lad in my band's a vegan. My lad in the band's a vegan. And uh, he stopped at McDonald's the other night and he got 20 chicken nuggets. So, you're not that much of a vegan, are you? That's how, that's how good chicken nuggets are. They, even the vegan in the back of my car ordered 20 chicken nuggets. That's how good they are. And if you don't like them, you're a weirdo. Mate, all this shit that's going around, vegan, all this sort of stuff, it's a trend. We all know it. Albeit there's some who obviously are, but it is a trend because it looks cool. But my mum, my mum's gone vegan, mate, and uh, it's helped. It, uh, you know, it, she's her whole body. She's lost weight. She she feels great. And you know what? It's like religion. It's like anything. If you believe in it and and you want to do that, that's fine. Just don't shove it down my throat. Don't post about it every two minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like fuck, you know, make your own mind up. So I, I don't mind people being vegan. I, you know, I have the odd vegetarian meal with the missus and that, and it's all right. I could never go vegan, though. Not in a million years. 
No vegans will be watching this podcast now. We have just fucked off all the vegans in this podcast. <laughs> I think we've probably pissed off, like, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Good. Fuck them. <laughs> we were both saying before before the podcast... We were saying just before we started, let's try, we'll try not to swear. And all I've done is go, fuck, fuck the vegans, fuck them, fuck them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, sir? This, this, this won't go out. Mate. The sun are going to get hold of this, aren't they? And you're fucked. <laughs> no, but Shane, I really appreciate it, mate. It's been a... I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great call. Really eye-opening into your world. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. I really appreciate that. And it's nice to um, talk about how I started, you know, without my mum and dad and all that. But let's have it right, Liam. You only got it on me. You only got me on here because my mum and dad are famous. You absolute prick. Right, I'm going. <laughs> I did, <laughs> to be fair, but exactly. I knew you did. I knew you did. I did, but I knew there was another side that I wouldn't have known. Yeah, uh, mate. Yeah, no, no. I get it, mate. And it's been lovely talking to you, pal. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Online Disruptor by Liam Chick. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you could just do me a quick favour, leave it a thumbs up, a quick review or even subscribe to it. It honestly goes further than you'd imagine. I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you so much.